Good morning. I'd like to welcome you all. I am Naya Swami Ananta. This is Naya Swami Maria. It's a wonderful opportunity to share with you all. The song that the singers did today uh, was often the first song that Swami Kriyananda would sing if he was doing a concert. Come gather around. This is an invitation. So I'm glad that you all took the invitation and came to join us and those online all around the world. So thank you for being with us. I'd like to read from Rays of the One Light. Uh, how high should we aspire? <clears throat> Truth is one, <clears throat> excuse me. Truth is one and eternal. Realize oneness with it in your deathless self within. The following commentary is based on the teachings of Paramahansa Yogananda. The passage this week is from the Gospel of St. Matthew. I say unto you that except your righteousness shall exceed the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, ye shall in no case enter into the kingdom of heaven. These, the easiest explanation for these words is that they were spoken in criticism of the scribes and Pharisees, particularly since Jesus was often verbally attacked by them and stood up to them fearlessly. However, it wouldn't be, have been much of a challenge to the disciples who aspired to spiritual perfection to tell them, don't be like those who lack any such aspiration. Jesus, in fact, says only a few verses later, be ye therefore perfect, even as your Father which is in heaven is perfect. What Jesus was referring to here then was self-righteousness of the priests. Don't seek perfection, he was saying to his disciples, in the image you project toward others. Don't be satisfied with a goodness born merely of ego definitions. The highest virtue is to transcend the very thought of personal virtue in the realization of God alone as the doer. Before this realization, even the thought, I am kind or I am truthful, is self-limiting. As it says in the Bhagavad Gita, the seventh chapter, yet hard the wise Mahatma is to find that man who saith, all is Vasudev. Thus, through Holy Scripture, God has spoken to mankind. Oh, oh, oh. Hello, everyone. I wanted to uh, say also about that song that was sung this morning. You know, <clears throat> uh, in the earlier days of Ananda, we didn't have such a variety of music written by Swami Kriyananda and a couple handfuls of songs, uh, the songs of divine joy, and this was one of them, Come Gather Round, and oftentimes, uh, the circumstances would be such that Swamiji would be singing that song by himself with the guitar, just his voice and the guitar. And <clears throat> so whenever I hear it, I, that's the image I have, and 
you know, a gathering of people around him. And it was, it was just, the energy was, it was the Heavenly Father just bringing his children, gathering them there and saying, let's all find God together. It was, it's, uh, it's just a very powerful remembrance and thought that lives on as so many, so much inspiration does through the music he has given us. I wanted to bring, uh, begin with a reading from Whispers from Eternity and how high should we aspire? So, of course, make me the eagle of progress. Master writes, make me an eagle of progress soaring far above narrow lanes of bigotry. Call me to soar ever higher and higher far above all clouds of earthly pettiness. With the sharp talons of my soul, I will tear at the little squabbling birds of misery which prey upon mankind. I will free my mind's skies from the buzzards of cynicism which prey on carcasses of dead hopes. I will soar on balanced wings of wholesome living, high up into the finer regions of divine perception, high above the hurricanes of earthly preoccupation, I will soar higher and higher to those unimagined heights where thou alone dost dwell. Make me thy eagle of ever upward progress. And so how high should we aspire? Last week we had our Easter Sunday service and I feel like that sort of stated a lot of that. It set the bar very high. Naya Swami Jyotish gave a beautiful uh, service on that topic. And I wanted to share a little bit about how we aspire and how we sustain, uh, how we sustain that uh, quest, that aspiration. We all come with a very different karma to this spiritual path and in line with that, we each have a very different path, but we have the same destiny in God, in the divine, and yet how we will each realize that will be uniquely different and resonate with our soul nature. The masters come again and again to inspire us, to remind us that this is why we're here. They're not asking us to duplicate their, duplicate their lives outwardly. They're asking us to duplicate their lives inwardly, in consciousness. And it's very important to remember that because we see their lives, we see the human drama, how it plays out through the life of a master, the life of an avatar, and we say, how high should we aspire? And there's this example that's just beyond comprehension. But they're asking us to come to that consciousness that they live 
through their life, through the human drama, not in the same exact way at all, but uniquely different to each one of us. Very important to remember. I was considering this topic, and the image that came to mind was uh, of Jesus gathering the disciples and being there on the shores of the lake, and in come the fishermen, in come Peter and his brother Andrew, and they're exhausted, they're highly frustrated, they've been out there all day, it's not an easy business fishing all day out in the sun and the elements, and they caught nothing, very discouraged, and perhaps even questioning uh, the role altogether, you know, should I even be fishing? Very, very discouraged and let down. And Jesus stood there and looked at them, and he said, go out yet again one more time. And the greater part of them did not want to do that. (laughs) They were done. It It was done. No fish, bad day. Let's go home and do something else. But something about the way he said that, the way he asked them to do that, compelled them to do just that. And out they turned. And as we know, they, the fish, the harvest was huge. More than they could get in their boats, more than they could bring in on their own. They had to get everyone else in the village, the fishermen, others, to help them. And you know, it's a, this story, some of you might not know, was repeated millennia later in the life of our own guru in Southern California on the beach just below the hermitage there at Encinitas. And Yogananda was walking out there. And the fishermen came in, no catch, you know, no success. And Yogananda said to them, try one more time. And they did and they were successful. I don't know how many times in history that story, that episode has been repeated, but here through the life of our own guru. And it brings up a very fundamental point to, in terms of realizing our aspirations and meeting that high bar. And that's the attitude of simply saying, yes, yes, I will do it. I will try, I will bring to bear all my energy, whatever I can do to make it happen on my part, I will do that, yes. And it's synonymous with the life of Swami Kriyananda, say yes to life. And isn't it interesting that in that exchange, Jesus was drawing in the disciples, certainly there was a soul faith in them, there was a destiny to be with him, But one of those first lessons was simply say yes. Say yes to that which you think can't be, to that which you think isn't possible, to that which you think and even think you know you cannot do. But say yes, (laughs) say yes anyway, and try to do it. It's fundamental to our discipleship. It's fundamental to anyone who is seeking spiritually, who is seeking to grow, seeking to be bigger, not in an egoic way, but more of, expression, more of an expression of the soul, of one's true nature. And it takes a tremendous 
amount of energy to realize all that. Yogananda said, there is more energy in a single gram of flesh than it takes to run the city of Chicago for a week in electricity. And I would bet if he was here today in the body, Chicago's a much better, bigger city to be sure, but I bet he would say the same thing. I bet he would, because in that divine reality, there are no limits. And the other part of that sentence, which you don't hear as much, he said, and yet you imagine you are powerless to meet the handful of challenges that life brings you. So you are this divine power. It's latent within you, and yet you think you can't do it. You think you can't realize it. You think you can't get to the goal. There are all these goals out there for us spiritually, and I suspect all of us some, at some time or another distance ourselves a little bit. Not meaning, we don't mean to, but we think we're not capable. We think we can't do it. We think we wouldn't have the energy or the talent or the ability to pull it off. Swami Kriyananda tells a wonderful, uh, well, it's a story to us. It's a situation that happened to him. He was living in the Bay Area with his uh, mother at the time. And he was giving lots of classes, doing programs. And you know he had a few people there, a few great people there to help him, but it was a lot. And uh, he came home one day. There was still a class to give that evening. And uh, he was just exhausted, completely wiped out. And his mother said to him, you, you can't keep pushing yourself in this way. You can't do this. You have got to rest. You have got to call these people and just tell them, no class tonight. And Swami went into his room, and he thought for a moment. He said, I can't reach these people even if I wanted to. I, I don't know their numbers. They may not be home. Uh, I don't have the time. And he laid down on the bed, and he started to think of all of the things that were going on in his life in that day, but just as a part of trying to get master's teachings out to people and all the responsibilities. And with each one that he thought of, he could feel energy just going out of him because there was this thought, it's just too much, too much responsibility, too much to take care of. And he went through all of them, and this voice within him said, just accept it. This is what you need to do. This is what needs to happen. And he went through again all those circumstances, all those responsibilities for which he was the one responsible. And as he did, he accepted each one, one at a time. He accepted it with the thought, God is the doer. This can happen. I will say yes. And as he did that, the energy came back into him, one by one, until he was just flooded with energy, just feeling this super power. 
And he went out, and his mother said to him, wow, you must have had a wonderful rest. And I don't think that he said anything. He was so fired up in the class that night. He said, interestingly enough, it was on energization. And he said it was the best class that he ever gave. But it was just rerouting the energy from an attachment through the ego to God is the doer. This can happen. God has put me in this situation, given me this life, given me this karma, and God is going to see me through it. God is going to free me through it. There's a wonderful uh, story from the Mahabharata about the life of Arjuna from his life. And Arjuna was a great archer, uh, you know, bow and arrows. This was a, um, a significant uh, means of warfare and battle, but also just um, <clears throat> expertise in, in, the art, in the arts. And uh, <clears throat> he was acclaimed the greatest archer in the world. And so there was a great tournament that was held, and the word went out to you know, lands far away and near to invite anyone to participate in this tournament. And many, many people came. And Dronacharya, uh, Arjuna's guru and also archery teacher, was there presiding. And one by one, he asked the contestants to come up to string their bow and take aim. And the target was in the far distance, atop of a pole, was a carved image of an eagle. And <clears throat> Drona would ask them. They would you know, string the bow, take aim, be all ready, positioned, everything. And he would say, what do you see? And the first content contestant said, I see the sky, I see the trees, I see the post with the eagle on top. And Drona said, step aside, you won't succeed. And then the second person came up, same thing, third, fourth, this went on for quite a while. I see the trees, I see the eagle, I see the feathers on the eagle, I see his head. And Drona said, step aside, you won't succeed. And finally, Arjuna comes up, and he sets his bow, he strings the arrow, he takes aim, and Drona says to him, what do you see? And Arjuna says, I see the eye of the eagle. And Drona says, you can shoot. And he does, and of course, he hits the eye of the eagle, and he wins the tournament. This is an important element of achieving our aspirations and aiming high. We've got to keep that goal out there in front of us. It needs to be visible. We need to be able to see it. We need to be able to frequent it and constantly refer to it in that say yes spirit with the knowing that with God's help we can do that. I wanted to read some words from Sister Gyana Mata, Yogananda's uh, disciple, in this regard. She says, see nothing, look at nothing, but your goal ever shining before you. The things that happen to us do not matter. 
what we become through them does. Each day accept everything as coming to you from God. At night, give everything back into his hands. Yogananda said, if we want to find God, go after him. It takes great determination and steadfast, deep self-effort. And then he said, but remember, the minutes are more important than the years. And this is very important. We've got that goal there, and we can't just figure that it's going to be taken care of in time. It will, you know. Master is promising that. God is promising it. It's the destiny of each soul. But we need to come into that with a consciousness of awareness as much as we can in all of the minutes that make up our lives. And I bring this up because over the years, <clears throat> I've been asked so many times by students in classes or, you know, programs, this kind of thing, and I've asked it myself. How do we balance it all? How do we have that really high bar, that goal out there, say yes and put out all of this energy and maintain this inner center, this inner focus within the self that helps us to maintain that expansive view, that hope and the understanding and faith that it will all come together. And how do we balance all of that? Because life is intense by its very nature. It's just filled up with many things, many people, many responsibilities, more than any of us can possibly do. And yet we have to find that balance, too. And that balance is in the minutes. That balance is in the moment. It's in the meditation. It's in the day. It's not something that we're going to acquire out there or outside of ourself by doing something outside of ourself. There's no other place to go. There's nothing else to do, really. It's about finding that inside the self and being with that inside the self in the day in the moment, in the meditation. And this is why meditation is so important. Because when, when we get that taste of it in meditation, then we know what we're looking for in life. Then we know how to do it better, and how to do it in such a way as to move toward our goal. And all the time in this process, we have the help of the masters. We have the help of the guru. It's always there. We're always in company with that reality and with that consciousness. When Swamiji was a young man in, his, in Yogananda's ashram, he was invited to participate in a play. And he was to play the part of Jesus in that play. He had a beard and, you know, I'm sure they added some additional makeup, maybe a little more longer hair or something, the robes made him look the part. But he did a good job, and Yogananda commented on it. He said, I heard you did really well. And Swamiji said, 
I'd rather be like him. And Master said, that will come, that will come. And Swami commented, he said, so many times, and it, it never ceased to amaze him, so many times in Master's company, he would feel the consciousness that Master had in the sense of, this is achievable. Master saw it in him, Master saw it in the disciples, Master saw it in any serious spiritual student aspirant. And if you tuned into his consciousness and really felt his presence, he convinced you that you were capable of doing that. And Swamiji said it, it always amazed him that, he, that Master could impart that, that belief, that faith that I can realize this. And Yogananda said, he said to his disciples, but I think again, in a general way, to anyone aspiring spiritually for something greater and putting out the energy to meet that, Yogananda said, you should at least achieve Jivan Mukta in this life, freed while living. And when I read this the other day, I don't remember hearing at least before. <laughs> I really perked up. I went, at least? I mean, because already that's so far out there sometimes in our consciousness, right? But he said, at least. And we really have to get our aura, as the saying goes, around this, because it's not just a tease. It's not, you know, he's not playing games with us here. He's saying that this is possible, this is attainable, this is possible for you, this is possible for me, and this is attainable. That's what he's given us in this life, and he wants us to try to do this because the more of us who are trying to do this, the more other people are gonna hear about it and get inspired and get on board and, sing, and realize that this is a life which can really make a difference. And we can make a difference for others by trying to aim for that seemingly really high bar. I wanted to close with um, some words uh, of Swamiji's, and this is from his Raja Yoga course. He writes, um, it's all been there from the beginning, and we just hear different parts of it and realize it on deeper levels in ourselves as we go along. This is one of the first things he wrote. Uh, he wrote this uh, before the path, yeah, before his autobiography. So he says, <clears throat> O yogi, strive always to act, think, and live from the Christ center in the frontal lobe of your brain between the eyebrows. Do not wait to become a master to live as a master lives. It is by living in a divine way even now that one becomes divine. Renounce ego. You are not that little self. Dwell always in the thought of your soul's freedom, of the soul guidance that emanates in soothing rays 
from your own Christ center. For you are the immortal Atman. You are spirit. The very universe, vast as it is, is inferior to your soul's majesty. Oh, 